Welcome into a new Buff Stampede Radio. Adam Monster Tiger joined on the line by Buff Zones Brian Howell. Brian, you are out in Atlanta to cover the Celebration Bowl, so you get to cover a bowl game this year. I thought about making the trip out there, but there's so much going on with recruiting. Coach Prime's going to get on a plane after the Celebration Bowl, and there's going to be a large group of recruits waiting for him. Set the scene for us out there in Atlanta. Yeah, I just got in here uh, today. Uh, I was doing this on Thursday. Woke up at 2.30 this morning to get ready for a 5.25 a.m. flight. But, um, you know, pretty low-key today. Got my credentials, but then also, uh, you know, had a chance to kind of, you know, meet with some Jackson State people, a couple of players, and um, had a chance to, you know, meet with Dion for a little bit, um, you know, in his in his hotel room. Um, you know, an off-the-record conversation, so I can't say too much, but um, it, it was good. What I will say is it was good to sit down and meet with him a little bit, um, probably a half hour or so in his room. And, um, you know, just me, him, and then, you know, his, his son, not Shador, but, um, you know, Dion Jr. was there. And then a couple other guys, a couple of his other team uh, were there. But uh, a really good chance to, you know, meet with Dion, uh, you know, just off the record and low key. I mean, you know, bottom line is, I mean, I, I asked him, I said, is there, is there a difference between Dion and Coach Prime? He said, absolutely. And I got to meet Dion today, and um, and not necessarily Coach Prime. And so I, I really like that because uh, Dion is a very low key, um, down to earth guy, very different than the press conference guy that we all saw a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I don't think you could be that person twenty four seven. I think that would no. wear. Even a guy like him that says he wakes up at four a.m. in the morning and, and has all kinds of energy. Uh, and he did an off-the-record meeting uh, with all the local media back in Boulder last weekend. We can't really talk about what, what goes on there. At some point, we we need to do more on on the record stuff because right. I, I think a lot of the stuff we did talk about technically in that off-the-record meeting was stuff that he'd be fine putting out there. And so some of the stuff with the coaching staff, uh, both of us probably would have figured it out by now, but because it was mentioned to us in that off-the-record meeting, then you feel like you've got to kind of bite your tongue. So, uh, and I think he gets that right because of all the social media content they pump out there. I don't think he's necessarily trying to keep everything off the record. Isn't that the vibe you got? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, some of that off the record stuff that he told us is going to be on the record here soon, right? Some of that coaching staff uh, stuff, but um, I think more so what I'm getting is um, he doesn't know us, you know, and he's trying to establish, some level of trust, you know, and figure out who's going to be covering this team and um, establish that trust with them. And, um, you know, there's a guy that uh, he goes by, he goes by Neely. That's his last name. And I uh, asked, what's your first name? He goes, doesn't matter. I just go by Neely, <laughs> you know, a really nice guy, but he, uh, I'm sure people have seen him. He, he does a lot of Jackson state video stuff. Uh, he was at the meeting that uh, you were at too. Um, you know, he, he was filming some of the stuff there, but uh, you know, chatted with him today for a little while and, and he said, honestly, he goes, I never met Dion before he came to Jackson State, but that guy's become in, you know, Dion's inner circle because, you know, because he trusts him and, you know, because, uh, you know, he's, he's helping out Jackson State, but also, you know, Dion trusts him. And so, um, you know, that's what Dion is looking for is like, can he trust us as media members? And um, I have heard several times that if you break that trust, you're not getting that back <laughs> with him. So, um you know, it sort of makes us, I guess, on edge a little bit as media guys. But I also think that I know you, I know myself, and uh, you know, I, we know pretty much the other people covering this uh, this beat pretty well. That 
uh, I think that he can probably trust this beat pretty well. Now, who knows what people are going to come out of the woodwork now that Dion's here, at least that core group that's been here. I think it's a pretty trustworthy group. And, and I told Dion that uh, as we met today. I said, look, you got a pretty, you know, good, you know, low-key, you know, respective group that's covering this team. So He said that uh, he was going to have the biggest recruiting weekend in Colorado football history. And uh, I'm working on some preview stuff. Uh, like you mentioned, we're recording this on Thursday. I, I think what he promised uh, he's going to pull off. It's pretty incredible. Expected there to be a lot of recruiting hype with him getting hired, but it's even to a higher level than even I anticipated. And it's both through the portal and with high school recruits. It's going to be a wild ride covering his recruiting. It does make you wonder how many guys on this Colorado football team are going to be, you know, that we're on the 2022 team are going to be back. And I thought initially looking at the roster that, You'd want to keep the bulk of the team around, but the sheer number of guys that they're bringing in for visits, both, like I said, from the portal and high school ranks, makes me think that it's going to be less than 50%. Uh, it's going yeah. to be a huge roster turnover, which creates you know, a difficulty in terms of meshing everything together, but there's going to be so much more talent on this football team in 2023 then uh, I don't know, it, it might even get to the point of rivaling 2016. It's hard to say, you know, the, that that 16 team, those guys had been around for so long and developed over time. And most of them weren't really highly regarded guys coming out of high school. Cheeto Bay, Wuze, Tedrick Thompson's, Philip Lindsay, they, they were all three-star guys coming in. So it, it's a wild ride. And fans, media, everybody's got to kind of buckle up here because uh, every day there's there's guys that are – uh, coming and going out of this program, it feels like. Yeah, and you know, I, I'm with you in that when I looked at the roster, I thought, yeah, it's probably going to be about, I thought 50% or more guys from this year would be back. Uh, but, you know, the more, you know, we hear things and, you know, again, not revealing, I don't want to reveal, it, you know, too much from off the record stuff, but it sounds like that number is going to be pretty high as far as newcomers, you know, um, higher than probably we've ever seen before. And, uh, I mean, the, the way of college football now allows for that. And But the bottom line is, I mean, Dion's coming in here. He was hired because uh, this program needed a jolt after being 1-11. I mean, they, they were terrible this year, right? Uh, you know, and you and I, we can say that you and I like a lot of the kids on here, but they were a 1-11 football team that got blown out in 10 of those 11 losses, and uh, they were not a good football team. And um, Dion's brought in here to make changes. And, you know, uh, you look at uh, – uh, there's been so much uh, talk about that uh, introductory uh, interview that he did, or not interview, but that meeting he had with the team. And uh, wow, he's really laying down the hammer. Well, I, I think that there's there's a lot to that. That you know, he's coming here saying, "Hey, look, I, he's not going to stand for losing, right?" You know, you look at his history, and you know, he's been a winner. You know, and so he, he's going to do the things to win, and he's going to bring guys in. And I, I also say uh, one thing to keep an eye on is uh, there's probably going to be a lot of the guys that are coming in, I don't know how many, but I think there's going to be some that arrive in the summer that we may not even know about yet because um, because of the fact that guys might transfer a second time, but they've got to graduate first, you know, uh, because of the NCAA rule. You can get waivers, things like that. But I think there are some kids probably that uh, they need to wait to graduate before they can bring them here. And so they might not be able to get here until the summer. 
with the Celebration Bowl taking place on Saturday, what are you going to be keeping an eye on? Obviously, the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator that he's going to have at Colorado are not there at Jackson State, and there's going to be players following him from Jackson to, to Boulder. He's said that on the record with some of the social media content out there. I think you start with Shadour Sanders, obviously. I, I think people were tuned in to the SWAC championship game, and, and gosh, he sure looked the part. Is there anything else you're going to have an eye on during the Celebration Bowl? Well, I, I will say that you know the biggest reason I, I'm down here is not necessarily to cover the game itself, but to try to learn more about Dion and to give uh, readers at some point. Um, I'm, I'm, my plan is to do a big story that runs uh, around Christmas, uh, talking to a lot of different people around here about what is CU getting, you know, what is Dion like, you know, what is his program like. So, like, I want to talk to some of the girls that are trainers, and um, I actually talked to, today um, to Steve Mariucci you know, former NFL head coach that uh, ran into him at the hotel um, that, you know, worked with Dion at the NFL Network. Um, he talked to me about, he coached with Dion at the Under Armour game for like eight or nine years. And, um, you know, he talked to me about what Dion's like as a coach. And so that's what I'm mostly going to get out of it. But as far as the game itself, uh, and it is at 10 a.m. Uh, Mountain Time, by the way, I'm sure a lot of Buff fans are going to tune in. Um, but honestly, I would say watch every, watch every area of the field because, you know, Dion's, he has said there's at least 10 guys coming from Jackson State. Um, you know, I'm sure you and I could probably figure out who some of those guys are, but I would just say look at all areas of the field because there, there might be guys uh, in the trenches, uh, in the skill positions, and special teams that might be buffs next year. So I would pay attention to just about every area and watch it like you're watching a buffs game, not for scheme, anything like that, but just watch for specific players and, uh, and you'll find out some that are going to be buffs next year. This is going to be a shorter podcast because I've got to run and, and head down to the men's basketball game tonight. But we got a few questions, Brian. Let's start with one by Buck and Fuffalo, which is one of the, the best usernames uh, on the website. <laughs> he asked, interesting comment from Rick George regarding Coach Prime's preparation and presentation of his plan to resurrect CU football during the vetting slash interviewing process. RG sold Dion on CU or Dion sold RG on his plan? Just to annotate a bit here, I believe the prevailing opinion is that CU went to Dion on bended knee to persuade him to take the job. Rick George's comments indicate a desire on Dion's part to leave Jackson State and prove himself elsewhere, specifically CU. Truth probably lies somewhere in between. Insight would be very interesting. So uh, a long question there, Brian. I, I think clearly it's somewhere in between. It, it wasn't a begging job by Rick George. Yeah, you know, I don't believe that it, that they had to beg him to come. And, you know, I will say this, you know, people heard this at the press conference. That he said, God led me here. And, and I know a lot of people kind of, you know, downplay that. There's a lot of people that aren't religious. And, they, uh, and there's even people that are religious look at that and say, yeah, whatever. You know, but um, for me personally, I don't like to just throw away somebody's faith in what they say. I think Dion believes that. You know, I think that they're, uh, is a big part of him that, that really believes that, that um, he was led here for a reason. And, and he believes that, you know, whether that's true or not. And you know, people would say, well, why would God care if Deion Sanders isn't bolder? It doesn't matter, you know, what you think. If, if I, to me, this is a different topic. I'm not going to go down a religious uh, you know, rabbit hole here, Adam, but like, you know, to me, religion is so personal and sometimes people feel certain ways. And so I think, I do believe Dion truly believes that he was led here for a reason and that, uh, that there's a purpose for him coming to Colorado. And 
Um, I think that was a big part of it. Um, I also think that he wants to prove himself and the Colorado gives him that chance. I think that he's a competitive guy that sees an opportunity to prove himself by trying to turn around what was a really bad football team and uh, showing he can do it. Uh, you know, Rick George did talk about, you know, uh, Dion had a very detailed, like almost a book. It was uh, one of the most prepared candidates that, that they had. And just chat with some people today down here in Atlanta. Um, I asked uh, somebody that's, uh, that's close with Dion. I said, you know, the biggest question I get is how much of Dion is style and how much is substance. And from different people today, you know, they've said, oh, there's a lot of substance. Like uh, one of them told me, hey, 80% of it is substance, 20% is the style. And uh, somebody else uh, said to me, um, the style overshadows the substance. And there's a lot of substance with, with Deion Sanders as far as what he knows, how uh, calculated he is, and it's calculated with a purpose. And he has plans. And so just listening to people today uh, down here in Atlanta, um, I got more impressed with, uh, with him, not, not just talking to him, but in talking to people around him. That like, wow, this guy actually has a plan. There is something, and I and I believe that I believe him when he believe when he says he believes God led him here. You know, um, there's something to that, and so I guess that's a, a long way to to answer that question. So yeah, I do believe it's somewhere in between. Yeah, this hire was so important for Rick George. I think his tenure as athletic director at Colorado was in large part kind of hinged on him finding the right guy here. And yep. I haven't watched a ton of Jackson State, but I, I did watch the SWAC championship game. It, there are just some teams you watch for three hours and you say that's a well-coached football team And Jackson state is a well-coached football team. Yes. They have more talent than any other team in the SWAC, but you know, there's talented teams that look dysfunctional and that was not, you know, the Jackson state team that's been on display this year. And so uh, yeah, it, it, there's a lot, that went into him coming to Boulder. And, uh, you know, I think it's, it's a perfect marriage between those two guys where they're at in their career, because there were, there weren't a lot of power five programs or maybe not any other ones that were knocking down his door to, to come be the head coach there. Right. Because there's a lot that comes with coach prime taking over your program. Colorado yeah. is in a position where they need all of that <laughs> and it's welcome with open arms. And, and uh, it's been uh, awesome to see the fan base energized the way it is, but uh, I don't think Rick George uh, would ever get down on bend knee and beg anybody. I think he's too prideful of a guy that you know, he's got other things. If he needed to move on from and stop being the athletic director at CU, he'd be just fine in life. Um, but, yeah. yeah. Let's move uh, on to the I, next. Real quick. I'll add this. I think that this has energized Dion as well. You know, just from talking to people, I think that's energized him um, because of the challenge. Yeah. The Gildan one asked, is anyone estimating the economic impact this will have on the program and the school? Instagram followers are already up four times, Twitter followers two times, TikTok, Facebook, etc. I got to imagine sponsors are going to want to be on this ride with all the exposure the team will have this year. What are you hearing from the AD? I think a lot of us would also love to know what impact it's had on you already through subscriptions and traffic. Brian, I can say that uh, we are 15 days into the month and we are, gosh, what are we, three and a half times more the page views than we would have in a good month, a full month. So that has a chance to be seven times bigger than uh, our average month. And yeah, we're seeing it with all the social media. I'd imagine on buffzone.com, the, the, the views are up quite a bit as well. 
Yeah, you know, it, and I haven't looked uh, in the last several days, but it was probably four or five days ago when I looked, and it was about 10 days into the month, and we were already uh, about 40% more than our, our previous uh, biggest month of the year, um, and just 10 days in. Um, I'm not one that really uh, has often looked at my Twitter uh, follower count, but it's been uh, very impossible to ignore all the dings I get. And so I started looking, I looked that Saturday night when he was, uh, when he was named the head coach, cause I kept getting all these follows. Like, what is my number? And it was just slightly over 12,000. Um, I'm, I've long past 16,000 at this point. So, you know, I've gained over four, like about 4,000 followers in the last, uh, you know, 10, 12 days. And so, um, there's that, you know, as you mentioned, the buff zone thing, uh, your followers and, and page views, but I also had a story today about, uh, the ticket aspect and the fact that they've got, as far as economic impact, I mean, uh, 7,000 people have filled out uh, interest forms for, for new season tickets. And, uh, you know, Cecil Harrison over at CU told me that uh, every other year they've been there, he said we get a few hundred, maybe topping out at 1,000 for the entire offseason. You know, they've already got 7,000 in the first 10 days. Uh, 1,700 people have put deposits down for new season tickets. Now, keep in mind, that's 7,000 forms. You got to think that each one of those seven thousand wants at least two tickets, you know, maybe three or four. So that's at least fourteen, twenty thousand new season tickets. Now I'm not going to sell all those because they they like to have some for single game. But um, I don't know about you. I'd be shocked if uh, the whole next season is not sold out. Yeah. Yep. And the Monday after his intro press conference, I was driving around in. I usually never listen to local sports talk radio. Yeah. But the three of the four stations I checked in on were talking about the buffs that that's never happened before. And it's funny. One of them, I forgot which forget which show, but they were kind of chastising comments made by Rick George, where he said that we don't have the money for Deion Sanders contract yet, uh, but I'm not worried about that. And they're criticizing him. I'm like, this guy needs to go to a business class because uh, <laughs> sometimes you've got to spend money to make money and that money's going to be rolling in. That's not going to be an issue in terms of uh, you know his salary and what these coaches are going to make. That That's going to uh, you know, cr- create revenue streams that, that Colorado football hasn't had maybe ever in its history. Yeah. And, and you know, another thing from the, my ticket story is also um, heard from, you know, I checked in on what, what are they doing merchandise wise? And, uh, you know, Curtis Snyder, the SID over there got some information for me and told me that the day, I don't know, I don't know what day it was, but the day that they launched their prime merchandise was, was double the revenue they've ever had at the team store, double the biggest day they've ever had. And that so far in, I mean, this is, this was 10 days after, uh, Dion's been hired five, the five, five of the biggest days they've ever had. I think the five biggest days I've ever had have happened in the last 10 days since, uh, since Dion uh, took over. So, so yeah, they're going to make money in merchandise. They're going to make money, uh, you know, with tickets. They're going to get, have donors that, that donate. Rick George is not going to have a problem, you know, finding that money. Now he's also got to come up with about $11 million, uh, you know, to pay off all these coaches. They just let go depending on now. Uh, it could be less if they get, if they get jobs and we've already seen Kyle, the band get a job, but, um, they're going to come up with some money there. But uh, I do think they're they're not going to have it. <laughs> They'll be able to pay Deion Sanders and his staff. 
Casual Buff asked, curious whether CU will honor scholarships for players who don't make the cut on the team. So that's not how it works. It's going to have to be a little cutthroat, uh, which is the the human part of this, Brian. That's tough because, you know, these kids committed to previous staffs and they were sold things in recruiting and uh, they lost a lot of football games. And so they have a new head coach and a head coach that's been asked to win and he's going to have to run some kids off and, uh, it's a little tricky. Uh, you know, the, the common way in which you do that is you just are honest with the player and say, if you're here, you're not going to play. And these kids want to play. So they go somewhere else. But unless one of these players has a medical issue and uh, they, they've got to find somewhere else to go. And, you know, there, there might be some kids that get stuck in the portal. And, and so that's the, the tough part of this, but Colorado is, is trying to completely, change its image and where it's at as a program. And I, I think coach prime had to bring a sledgehammer with them to Boulder to, to get that done in a short period of time. Yeah. And, and it is the tough part, but it's also the downside of uh, the players uh, over the last several years have fought for having this freedom to, to leave. Right. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things the players have fought for NIL uh, you know, being able to transfer without having to sit out, things like that. Well, this is the downside of it, is that uh, you you can't applaud players being able to leave whenever they want to and then criticize coaches getting rid of players whenever they want to. It's a two-way street now. And, uh, you know, the, it's an ugly side of it. And, and it's ugly on both sides. I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of, you know, so many players going to the portal. I mean, it's amazing how many, like starting quarterbacks are in the portal, you know, guys that were really good starting quarterbacks are just going on to different teams. But uh, so that's the downside of it. But bottom line is, you know, and we've talked about it, but like the days of uh, this, of college football being just the amateur sport and the, and the feel good, like what it used to be, that's over and it's over um, in some positive ways and it's over in some negative ways. And that's the downside. And uh, it's also my understanding that when new coaches come in, they've got some leeway as far as taking away scholarships and that they can uh, overhaul their roster more so than, than like a sitting coach can do. Um, when you didn't recruit those players, you've got more leeway as far as getting rid of guys. And, uh, you know, I, going back to what we talked about earlier, I think it's going to be a, a dramatically different roster this next year. CB Buff asked, we are a week into the coach prime era. What has surprised you most? What do you think, Brian? Hmm. Well, <laughs> I don't know if anything surprised me. Um, I mean, first off, he hasn't been around a whole lot um, because, you know, he's been uh, splitting his time between Jackson State and SCU, and, and we knew that was going to happen. Um, you know, I, I when it was Deion Sanders, uh, I knew it was going to have a, a pretty big impact as far as the attention. I guess the biggest thing that surprised me is how much attention, like yeah. the, the impact overall. You mentioned, uh, you know, you know, the radio, the three or four radio stations you uh, listen to were talking about the, the buffs. I remember the Monday after the press conference, I get on YouTube and it's Paul Feinbaum's talking about Deion Sanders in Colorado. Stephen A. Smith is talking about <laughs> talking about it. Shannon Sharp and uh, um, Skip Baylor's talking about it. Like all these national people are talking about Colorado. Rich Eisen, like, wait a minute. <laughs> talking about Colorado football. And, uh, you know, I've been on radio stations. I've done 20, 25 radio uh, spots in the last 10 days from Boston to Portland to, uh, I mean, 
Tuscaloosa, you know, Jackson, Mississippi, everywhere. I've done them. And so the attention that we you get from this guy has probably surprised me. It's been more than I thought it would be. Yeah. Yeah. We all expected that everything was going to get amplified, but for me, yeah. it's just how much he gets accomplished in a day. It's like I had Twitter notifications turned on for him and to wake up in the morning I'll, I'll get up at five sometimes and I've already got a notification from, from coach prime on Twitter. And then yeah. uh, you go, I go on our message board and check my email and there, there's new stuff with recruiting that that's happened overnight. And then you go on social media and there's new clips of him uh, meeting with the media or meeting with his players and joking around or having serious conversations. And uh, just all the stuff that he's able to get done in one day makes me, and I know I'm working hard, but uh, it makes me feel like maybe uh, I'm lazy or something, but it just, it's incredible because he's coaching Jackson state and recruiting for Colorado, putting his staff together and yet he's still, and I know it's his son and, and other people are doing a lot of the filming and the social media content, but just how many different places and different things he's doing on a daily basis. It's it's kind of mind-blowing. I just thought of this analogy and, and sort of making me laugh in my head, but uh, did you ever watch, you like Back to the Future? Yeah, love it. Okay. So it's, it's one of my favorite, you know, trilogies, right? I, I don't want to get into, I think it's better than Star Wars, all that stuff. But anyway. Doesn't matter. You remember the very opening scene when he he goes into you know Doc Brown's place and he turns on the amplifier and it blows yeah. him away. Yeah. You know, I mean, he knows it's going to amplify, but it's turned up way higher than he expected, and it blows him back and it breaks the amplifier. That to me is what it's been like having Coach Prime here. We knew he was going to get amplified, but it's blown us away. I think, and you know, it's probably broken the amplifier a little bit, <laughs> and, yeah. and, uh, and that would be the analogy to me, the imagery of what this has been like the first 10 days is uh, Marty McFly turning on the amplifier <laughs> at Doc Brown's uh, uh, office or garage or whatever it was. That's awesome. Another thing that Coach Prime has had a chance to do is review restaurants. And we got a question here from Movie okay. Buff. He asked, can you and Brian do a prime restaurant reviewer review tour, but for press box food? So Coach Prime's already been to La Peep, the Buff, and Village Coffee Shop. I think those are the only, obviously he's a big breakfast guy. So I think those are the only three, yeah. but he's only been in Boulder for a weekend. So that's pretty impressive. Uh, the problem here, Brian, is that our press box food is free. I really don't feel like I can criticize free food. I've got yeah, Neil, I mean, Welks, Neil Welks voice in my head because <laughs> there was a press luncheon a handful of years ago and we get wonderful meals at these press luncheons. It's often the best meal that yeah. I have every week but they had cucumber water and we're kind of complaining about that. And Neil's like sports writers are the only people that will complain about free food. And so ever since then, I've been cognizant not to complain about free stuff. Yeah. I, I'm the same way. However, I guess to answer the question, I will say this, uh, CU's got the best press box food in the pac 12. And to me, it's not even really close. Um, there are a lot of places that, and again, I'm fine with this. I don't expect to have like, you know, these gourmet meals all the time, but you know, there are places that you go and, and you get a, just a box lunch and it's got like a dry turkey sandwich and, you know, bruised apple and, you know, a grandma's cookie or something like that. And that's, and it's fine, but it's not like the, the Bender's bar and grill catered stuff that we get uh, at CU. And so it's a dramatic difference. So, you know, I, 
I would say CU is the best. And you know, you and I have talked about this a lot now. Yeah. Um, Utah might be the second best. And uh, probably the best part about Utah for a big guy like me is they will let you go through the, the serving line once. And that's probably a good thing. I agree 100%. <laughs> I, I feel like there's five pounds that I have to lose after every football season. And it's all because yeah. of uh, the press box food at, at Folsom Field because uh, they just, even post game, they'll have wings sometimes i'll have chips and queso and sandwiches and it's like cookies i mean you could be eating a cookie while covering the game basically non-stop you could go through 100 cookies if you wanted to it's just a little out of control but yeah utah's top tier um bottom tier would be uh ucla they're one of the box lunch places well ucla is actually one of the uh most places where they just give you a meal ticket and you have to go to the concession stand and get, um, aren't they that, uh, like you have to go to the concession stand and get like a, you know, a, a bratwurst or something like that. Yeah. Oregon state was like that this year. That was, yeah, yeah. uh, which usually I'm not opposed. I'm not a food snob, but their food was, was pretty awful. Oregon uh, state, and, and we were disappointed because now they're doing a renovation. So we give them a little bit of a pass. So at least I do, but in the past, Oregon State's been pretty good, but this year they get they got the mail ticket, and you and I both got that same chicken wrap that I don't think either of us finished it because it was not good. <laughs> Stanford has a pretty good spread, if I remember right. You can pretty much make any type of sandwich there. Yeah, uh, yeah, they could, but you're right. Colorado definitely is number one, and that's not just us. That's not us being biased. That's something I hear from other writers when I talk to them the week leading up to the game when they're about to come out to Boulder, they're like ex- really excited about yeah. the food in the press box, which is usually not something that you'd be focused on. Yeah. Golf, I agree. Golf pro buff asked, what are you guys doing for the holidays? And along those lines, call me coach B asked, what's your favorite holiday meal tradition? Well, wow. Brian, I, I know you enough to know one of your traditions leading up to holiday the holidays is that you watch a ton of Christmas movies. I saw on Twitter the other day you're already throwing out some reviews out there. I uh, I watched uh, Jingle All the Way the other night with our youngest, and uh, that's one of those movies that's so bad that it's good. <laughs> I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger punching a reindeer. Where where else can you find that in life? You know, uh, and I haven't seen that one um, the other night. And I like a lot of the classics, okay? So A Christmas Carol is my favorite one. Um, you know, Elf has become a classic, Christmas Vacation. I like all the, the old claymation, you know, Rudolph, things like that. But speaking of, of dumb movies, Christmas movies, I watched I watched a movie. It was, it's become one of my favorites. It's called uh, The Man Who Invented Christmas, okay? Uh, it's, it's a fairly new one. It's pretty good. It's the story of Charles Dickens uh, writing A Christmas Carol. So I watched that on Amazon Prime. But then the next one, it pops up, it gives you a recommendation. I don't know why I watched it, but I've seen it before. Ernest Saves Christmas. Have you heard of that one? I saw that it? way back in the day when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, and it's so dumb, but it was so good. And so I'm going to put that with Jingle all the way out, which I haven't seen yet. I'm going to watch it based on your recommendation. But um, <laughs> but Ernest Saves Christmas, I watched the other night. Um, as far as, uh, real quick, what, what we're doing for holidays, I do want to. Um, Thank uh, the fans on your board uh, that you know, were very generous uh, with us and um, and give an update that uh, you know one thing I'm gonna, we're going to do is uh, you know use some of that gift and uh, we're going to go up to the Vale Eagle area I'm not sure exactly where it is and, and do a family sleigh ride 
couple days before nice. Christmas. So, nice. um, you know, do a sleigh ride up and the, they've got a hundred inches of snow up there. And so, you know, do a, do a sleigh ride. So I'm looking forward to doing that. And, um, yeah, that's kind of the big thing. And then pretty low key for us staying around town here. We've done prime rib a bunch this year. We're actually going to do something different. And I ordered in Katz's deli from New York, which is one of the famous delis out in the East coast. Yep. And they, they do these packages where they send you these big boxes of pastrami and corned beef and you get the bread and the pickles and the sauerkraut and even the mustard. They give you everything, black and white cookies, and you can throw add-ons on there. And it's what I've been told. I've never been to Katz's Deli in person, but I've heard that it's pretty darn close. And so all you do is you throw the meat in some boiling water and it's ready to go. And that way, for Thanksgiving, I mean, we were cleaning up the kitchen for like three days straight with family in town. So this way it alleviates a little bit of the stress, you know, with covering recruiting, it's just nonstop, Brian. And, uh, I don't want to be slaving in the kitchen th- this year. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, we did yeah, one I, a couple of years ago. Have you ever done that? Ordered that in? No, no, but I, I did go to Katz's Deli in person last fall. Um, I'll oh, wow, see okay. week and um, it's the pastrami is pretty phenomenal. So if it's anywhere near that, it doesn't have to be exact. If it's anywhere near it, you're going to have a very good meal. Yeah. Well, we have a lot more questions, Brian, but I'm running out of time. I got to head down and check in on Tad Boyle. Uh, but I appreciate you for, for taking some time out to do that. I can't imagine uh, a few weeks ago, you, you thought you'd be covering a bowl game this year, but that's pretty <laughs> exciting. Yeah. You know, I, it's a pretty rare thing, honestly, for you know a coach to accept a job and continue coaching with his with his previous team. Um, but I will say one last thing about Coach Prime is that the, I think that that speaks a lot to him and the relationship he has with these players here. And from what I'm gathering, the players love him. You watch some of the videos. There's a lot of mutual um, love and respect between his players and him. He wants to finish the job. I think that says a lot about him, um, honestly. And so I'm looking forward to. I'm um, covering the game this weekend and just kind of seeing this program up close. Yeah. Who knows if coach prime is going to be in Boulder for two years, five years, 10 years, whatever. But I think based on how he's handling this, we can say we're not in for another Mel Tucker scenario. Right. Which is which yeah. I think everybody at CU just has PTSD from that. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it'll be that um, it's going to be much more exciting than it's been the last couple of years. Um, and I know that Buff fans would like it uh, the next time I cover a, a bowl game that CU is actually involved in the bowl game and not just their head coach. All right. Well, appreciate you, Brian. Have fun down there in, in Atlanta. And thanks to everybody for tuning in.